genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're going to be talking about Minute 129, which starts with Frodo saying, It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance, and ends with Gandalf saying, So do all who live to see, and the line gets cut off. Which is a shame. I was really hoping that that, I know, that moment really was in one minute. that that gets cut off, because it's such it's such a good line. Iconic. Ah, oh, so good. Truly iconic. This part makes me cry a little. It's sad. There's a there's a real weight to what happens across today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This conversation between Gandalf and Frodo. And I find the content of this first half really interesting because it's an exploration of like the concept of pity and Bilbo's character yeah. and Bilbo's actions and how that affected the future and specifically Frodo. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like because it's not really foreshadowing when the the wizard character, the mentor character pretty much like looks at you and is like, "Hey, so Gollum's going to be important in the next couple movies." Right. <laughs> he hasn't played a role in this one yet, but just you wait. Right, exactly. And I know he doesn't break the fourth wall, not literally, but he might as well. Yeah, it's like winking at the audience. Right, yeah. Like something real important just happened here. I hope you were all paying attention. Exactly. So and That can be more subtle. It's not terribly subtle here. It's, I mean... But it this, this moment this, works. This story isn't subtle. No, because I it's think... about a grand struggle between, like, good and evil. Right. This story, everything about this story... Um, I would argue, like, at face value, is not subtle. There are a lot of things happening under the surface that we've talked about with um, legacy and inheritance and addiction and all that other things. But as, like, an epic quest, because it's meant to be a myth. It's it's a mythology. Right. So So it's it's fairly simply laid out. Yeah, it's not going to be subtle. It's going to be like, oh, the gods have spoken. This is what's going to happen, you know? Right. (laughs) It's not that direct. Right. No, I know. I know. I'm clearly being uh, overdramatic. Yes. I like this first half because I kind of sympathize with Frodo. Um, well, this whole this whole minute really is Frodo once again kind of coming to terms with what has been saddled on him. Like, not only... Is the ring, like, the physical manifestation, like, the physical object of his inheritance from Bilbo, but now Gollum is here, and Gollum is representative of Bilbo's actions surrounding the getting of the ring. Yeah. And I I He's a harbinger. Yeah, he's like a, like a portent of doom or something. Yes. Um... He's like a bad omen. (laughs) And I sympathize with Frodo because Frodo 
I would argue that Frodo does not want to be here. Well, no, he doesn't. Because, and he, the only reason he is here is because he feels responsible. He feels like it is his responsibility to finish what Bilbo started. Yeah, he feels like a, a familial duty. Right. Which I think is something core to, like, Hobbit society, mm -hmm. to his culture, is to, like, carry on what your forebears have done. Right. Well, there will always be a Baggins and Baggett. Yeah. And Bilbo has no children, so he went he went out of his way to get an heir. Like, that speaks volumes as right. far as, well, Bilbo's selfishness and also, like, Hobbit society. Right. He didn't want to pass it off to a lesser branch of the family. Right. Bilbo's a filthy elitist. He is. <laughs> He's an elitist Hobbit. <laughs> bourgeoisie. His <laughs> bourgeois Bilbo. Yes. <laughs> Not like Sam, a good good working class hobbit. <laughs> Bourgeois Bilbo. Oh my god. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, I was talking about Frodo. Um, and his, his feeling of duty to carry right. on what Bilbo started. So Bilbo, or not Bilbo, Frodo doesn't want to be here. So first he... He's, I mean, in the second half of the minute, he literally says, I wish the ring had never come to me. So he's trying to, in the first half, I think he's trying to push some of that responsibility away back onto Bilbo by saying, you know, like, ugh, like, I wish Bilbo had just taken, like, taken care of something for once. Yeah. Instead of leaving it to me, like, to clean up all of his dirty messes, you know? Right. Like, I wish, I wish Bilbo had just, you know, done something right for once in his life. That's not, I mean, I know that's, it's probably not as extreme as that, but. It's almost the way it kind of comes off. Yeah. It's said, it's said in a very bitter way, and you have to question whether or not it has to do with the ring influencing Frodo's perception of Gollum. Mm, that's true. Because the ring wanted to get away from Gollum. That's why it fell off his finger. Right. So it's it's this moment where is this Frodo speaking? Is this the ring influencing him? Being like, don't let don't don't let that dirty grubby thing put me back on. Right. I think it might be a little of both at okay. this point because the ring has been wearing down Frodo. Yeah. Um, and we really get a chance to kind of see it here in this. He looks almost as tired as Ian McKellen, and Ian McKellen's a very old man. Right. I have trouble understanding a little bit of what Gandalf says in this minute, but that's just me. I'm a little picky, I guess. The Gandalf voice He's is a, a bit mumbly. hard to understand when it's whispery. He's a little mumbly, and all the all the noises run together, so I'm just like, what? Like, you know, with a hearing trumpet up to the speaker, like, what? Say what? Uh <laughs> like Mozart in those Looney Tune cartoons? <laughs> or Beethoven, you mean? Beethoven. Beethoven was the deaf one. Yes. Mozart was the precocious one we you know they're all a little precocious <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean they made a whole three-hour movie about mozart's precociousness so <laughs> it's a very good movie i know i need to watch it before it leaves netflix but that's another three-hour movie that i don't have time for <laughs> right who has time for three-hour movies that aren't lord of the rings certainly not me <laughs> 
not anymore. Oh, man. I like looking at this movie from um, a point of view of, like, legacy and inheritance, though, because yeah. it's kind of cool. Not only is the ring a symbol of that, but everything surrounding the ring is as well. Yeah. I like seeing all this because you don't see it a lot explored in this way. The idea of like the this like negative legacy. A lot of times it's people being it's reluctant. Always positive. It's usually people being reluctant to accept a positive legacy like Aragorn. Right. And we get to see both sides of this in the same story, mm-hmm. which I which I think is really fascinating that we continue to try to look at the movie in that way and kind of pick up on these things. Yeah. And I like that Gollum, and I never thought of him this way before, is like almost a physical manifestation of the family curse trope. <laughs> it's just there. Well, my favorite book growing up, like, was all about a family curse. You haven't read Holes yet, and it makes me, it makes my heart sad. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even seen the movie. Oh, it's so good. It's like, it's like early 2000s good. It's, it's joyful. Like, it's, it's so ridiculous. I, I love it so much. <laughs> so, I like looking at Gollum in that way because it adds another dimension to like what's going on with Gollum. Yeah. Because Gollum has his own long, sad tale right. of trouble with the ring. And when you look at it as the ring attaching him to someone else's legacy, mm-hmm. it just makes him even a little more tragic. Well, because now he doesn't even have a say in what happens to him. He has a little bit of say now that he's been apart from the ring, but his free will has been like completely taken over by the will of the ring. Yeah. And I mean, the whole next movie is like his struggle with that. Like, yeah, that's the... Gollum's whole personal struggle with free will. That's like the plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's very You central. got horses and you got Gollum. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I like I like that it's kind of over the top though because this this um yeah, this this story isn't isn't subtle. It's a little bombastic and it's literally about like the fight between the forces of good and evil with a capital E. Yeah. And it's there are like underlying themes and stuff like we've been talking about but i don't think the face value of it is meant to be subtle yeah yeah definitely not because it's a simple story with a handful of very complicated and layered things because it's part of a grander world and this is only the tip of the iceberg and it's meant to be a mythology like you're supposed to get morals out of myths right and this right here this this whole minute Today and tomorrow is like, here's a moral. Right. Here's here's the central theme of this entire story. <laughs> yeah, basically. Spanning three uh, movies. Yeah. Like, here is what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, short of the trumpet fanfare, this is the mission statement. Yes. This is the, the mission statement of the movie. At least as far as... Frodo's story is concerned. Right. Maybe think, maybe Aragorn's too. I Well, because Frodo and Aragorn are literally mirror images of each other. Yeah. They're uh, 
because one has ones they're both struggling with inheritance one is uh can be seen as good you know ruling a kingdom is sounds like a nightmare but is also pretty cool right and then you have frodo who has to walk thousands of miles to get rid of this stupid trinket right <laughs> I mean, it says a lot about Frodo and Aragorn as characters, too, with the way that they go about thinking of their legacy, because Aragorn only focuses on like the negative aspects of his inheritance of the failing of Isildur. Mm -hmm. He doesn't focus on like what he could do with the inheritance that he he has. Right. Whereas Frodo views this as a duty and is trying to focus on the good that comes out of dealing with this problem. I think. And I think it's interesting how we have that kind of dichotomy. Well, also another thing that Gollum represents for Frodo is a potential like future if Frodo or Bilbo even, because um, he's already seen Gollum reflected in Bilbo um, back in Rivendell. Yeah. So Bilbo is on his way to becoming like Gollum which scares Frodo because now it's up to Frodo to carry this thing. And he's not going to have it for as long as Bilbo or Gollum, but he know he can already feel that the, the tug on it, on yeah. his soul, because I mean, now made the worse ring, by the Morgul blade wound. Right. And now the ring is active. Like yeah. it was dormant the whole time. Yeah. Right. Gollum didn't have to contend with an active threat from the ring. Right. It was just, it's passive evil right affecting him over like hundreds of years yeah and the same thing with bilbo uh but i think the ring started waking up a little more which is why bilbo's kind of accelerated yeah. a little um so aragorn has a preoccupation and a fear of the past like the past failures of men which you know elrond hasn't really helped him with no. every now and then elrond just elrond, bursts elrond men are weak half elven every now and then just bursts in aragorn's room and he's just like men are weak <laughs> just just anytime aragorn's having a bad day um and then he just slinks back into rivendell oh my god got to keep him on his toes Aragorn goes to Elrond for advice. He looks up, men are weak. Oh, what did you need? <laughs> <laughs> no, Elrond is a very supportive foster father. Um, yes. It's just, he just says that line with such oh, venom. I love it. I love it so much. It's, it's so it's, bitter. It's very relatable. <laughs> um, But, so Aragorn's Preoccupation with his legacy comes from a fear of the past and Frodo, which I think we see a lot, like, you know, the Lion King. <laughs> Hamlet. The Lion King is Hamlet with lions. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> um, and Frodo, I think part of Frodo's fear and reluctance as far as his legacy goes is a fear of the future. Yes. Which is why I say they are mirror images of each other. Because Aragorn's obsessed with what his, you know, 60, 36th, you know, great-grandfather did one time. And then Frodo is preoccupied with what 
could happen. Right. Which I think is why he lashes out so bitterly against the fact that, like, Bilbo just mucking around, you know? (laughs) Bilbo mucking around. He he could have at least broken the dagger that was going to kill me someday. (laughs) Made an effort here. Yeah, literally. You know, could have unloaded that, you know, shotgun on the mantelpiece. Chekhov's golem, as it were. (laughs) Chekhov's golem. Oh, my God. Oh, um, I think I get a little weepy in this minute because uh, that 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 Shire theme again. I wish the ring yeah. had never come to me. And then the, the Shire thing's just the, the like, hey, let's start. underscore how sad he is about leaving his home. I'm like, oh, no. Subtext. Right. Not even subtext. It's like, hey, 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 you like theme? Hey. <laughs> it's like getting splashed with a bucket of ice water. Wake up. Oh, my God. Sad things are happening. I know. And what uh, I've always really, really liked the line. Many who live deserve death, and some who die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? I've always really liked that line. Mm-hmm. And I think that that line is more about Gandalf than it is about Frodo. Because of the powers that Gandalf has wielded and has seen. And the troubles that Gandalf has seen because of power. I think that's really more of what that line is about. Yes, it's like a slap in the face to Frodo. But it's also Gandalf, like telling us more about himself in a kind of subtle way. Yeah. Because Gandalf sees all this earth-shattering power and all these great things, and there's all these... And yes, lots of good has come out of it, but more evil has come out of great power than good. Right. I mean, Sauron. Yeah. And Morgoth. Gandalf was around for Morgoth, right? I mean, yeah, he's a Meyer. That's true. I always forget he's like a space angel before he was a wizard. (laughs) Space angel wizard. Yeah. It's multi-classing going on here. (laughs) What are you? Well, I'm an alien. No, I'm not really an alien. (laughs) I'm from another world, but but it's the same world. They share a world. I kick ass for the Lord. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) I want to watch that movie so bad. I don't even like gory horror movies. Oh, Peter Jackson. What a silly man. You genius. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else for this. Uh, Bourgeois Bilbo still <laughs> makes me laugh. Right? Bourgeois Bilbo. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a filthy elitist. <laughs> just, you know. He has no regard for the, <laughs> the for working the, class. For the proletariat. <laughs> Looks down his nose. And here on Marxist Minute. <laughs> I don't know if I have any other notes. I think uh, I think that about that about wraps up our discussion of this nice. minute. We will talk about mission statements more tomorrow. Yeah. But in the meantime, you can catch up with us on our Facebook listener group, Fellowship of the Mic, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. Please and thank please and thank you you didn't let me finish <laughs> oh sorry i was just interrupting 
podcast. Leaving us a five-star review on iTunes is one of the, iTunes is one of the best ways that you can help spread our podcast and make sure that we get a little more exposure. Also, tell your friends. Also, tell your friends. Word of mouth. Yes. Good stuff. It, it is indeed. As always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. Hope everyone has a great Thursday, and we'll see you all again tomorrow. Bye. Bye.